forces are at the gate. And they're off! Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. All right, what a week in racing it has been. I'm telling you, I've seen it all, ladies and gentlemen. I've heard it all. It's unbelievable what's going on in the world of racing. Of course, if you really want to get a microcosm of racing and realize what the world's all about, you got to start it out like I did on Labor Day at the... uh, At the Van Wert County Fair. That's right, the Van Wert County Fair. It's in the northwest part of Ohio, and uh, it was uh, absolutely something to behold. But during the week, I kind of made my way down to uh, uh, the Toba Awards Banquet. I want to thank everybody there and, uh, you know, uh, congratulate Steve DeMalo. He was the uh, Ohio Breeder of the Year. And then uh, got to go out and look at a nice little horse by the name of Medaglia di Oro. He only stands for $200,000 a pop. That's not bad. And uh, then made my way down to Kentucky Downs. I'm not going to keep telling you, folks, you got to put it on your bucket list of places to go. But now you also got to put the Van Wert County Fair on there. So uh, uh, it's been uh, quite the week. And, of course, uh, well, before I get into the national headlines, I do want to give you an idea who the lineup is. Got a first-time starter and a handicap veteran. That handicap veteran is none other than Joe Christofek. We've had Joe on many, many times over the years, and his career just continues to spiral upward. And just about now, you, you can't turn on the, the TV at a major uh a racing network and not see Joe somewhere in the paddock uh, giving out his selections. Uh, of course, right now he's tackling Churchill Downs as they are opening up their meet. And uh, it looks like it's going to be a good one. It's only 11-day September meet. Uh, it starts at 1245 uh, tomorrow. But they're going to offer a, a record of $8.3 million in the 11 days. Uh, purses are going to average uh, per day 755000 or according to my University of Dayton math, that would be like 76275 per race. So uh, that ain't bad at all, but we'll, we'll let Joe tell us about that. And then uh, the first-time starter we got is certainly a veteran to the racing wars, but it's the first time we've had the chance to get him on. As a matter of fact, I've been trying to get a good clock around for a while, and they're hard to get a hold of through some of the marketing publicity departments. His name's Ernie Perry. Uh, now, this is just a sensational weekend of racing. We're going to tackle the Saturday card, but uh, on Sunday, they got the grade one Natalma, a quarter million on the line there for two-year-old fillies, and the grade one Summer for the two-year-old boys, and those are both win-and-you're-in races for the Breeders' Cup. So uh, we're going to talk to Ernie Perry, find out how he got in the game and how he ascended into the stand to become a clocker and all the responsibilities that go with it. Well, unless you live in a cave, over the last 48 hours, you've heard that Justify was not justified and running in the Kentucky Derby, according to Joe Sour Grapes Drape of the New York Times. Time out. Wait a minute. Take a deep breath. 
let's get the whole story before we publish it in the New York Times, okay? There's always two sides to every story. Now, uh, according to what's been reported, uh, Justify came up with a substance in his system uh, during the Santa Anita Derby that, as you know, he was very lightly raced and changed the curse of Apollo forever. And uh, uh, they said that, you know... There was something in the system. They had to have it tested. They had to have it verified. And anyhow, by the time they got things done, um, I don't believe it was too late to stop him from running in the Triple Crown, in which he did. Now, what we're talking about, what they found in his system was a drug, and I'm probably mispronouncing it, scopolamine. And it's illegal, but it's not considered a performing enhancing drug, <clears throat> Joe. Rather, it's found a Jimson weed, which grows wildly out west, and it's been known to get inadvertently mixed into a horse's feed. So what you've got to understand is that uh, scopolamine, if that's what it is, it's a known environment contaminant. Uh, it, it is contained within the Jimson weed, which is a naturally growing substance where they produce uh, hay and straw in California. And there's a long history of environmental contamination cases involving uh, scopolamine in the state of California. And actually, the California Horse Racing Bureau has even issued official advisories concerning contaminated feed to horsemen to warn them. Uh, there's no uh, doubt that uh, with regard to Justify, the, the positive was a result of environmental contamination from the hay or straw. But what you've got to understand is this is a drug that can hurt a horse. Um, it's, you know, it just defies logic and, and common sense. Uh, no trainer would ever intentionally administer scopolamine to a horse. It, it has a depressant effect that would do anything but enhance the performance of a horse. There's zero scientific evidence that suggests that scopolamine has any performance performance enhancing properties so yeah i'm going to the kentucky derby i mean and i need points so i'm going to give them something that's going to make them run slower come on man do your homework before you put the splash out because all the naysayers and the people all they're going to remember is oh justify he wasn't justified winning the triple crown do your homework, ladies and gentlemen, before you believe everything. And let me tell you, Baffert's not taking it lying down. And certainly he was not prohibited for racing from the California Horse Racing Board. So, okay, got that out of my system. Okay, uh, just had a blast down at Kentucky Downs. I was uh, so blessed to be uh, involved in the team. And, of course, if, if Jenny Reese spots you and she's got work to do, she's going to put you to work. So I kind of went to work for JR Communications, unbeknownst to me. Uh, hey, John, can you take a photo with us? Hey, John, can you take, hey, John, can you write the story on the eighth race? Not a problem. Jenny's the greatest. I'd do anything for her. But it was great because I was part of a team with Byron King. Wow, I'm I always call him Brian. Byron King, who he has a story, personal story about to break out. As you know, he was laid off from the racing form, but one door closes, another one opens. But I'm going to let Byron uh, let that leak out. Uh, Dick Downey was there, great character, actually a judge uh, down in the southern part of uh, uh 
Kentucky near the Tennessee border for a while, and uh, he's a lawyer, and he's a great writer, and he runs uh, the uh, Downey Report, especially when it gets near the Triple Crown and the Breeders' Cup. And Alicia Wentz-Hughes, uh, who uh, has always been known as a top writer, but she has moved from an editor to Blood Horse over the NTRA. But it's a great atmosphere there. The press box is actually the press porch, and Bob Newmeyer was there, Marty McGee, <coughs> Joe Christofek was there. Um, trying to think who, who else, Jim Mulvihill, and a lot of the top photographers around the country were there. Uh, it was just a great, great day. Uh, a tad on the warm side, but once you got up to the press box porch, it was really nice. We had a great breeze. So want to thank all those people, and uh, we'll be going over those uh, those race results shortly. But, okay, also, what a week at the Keeneland September sale. I mean, it was boosted by international players, uh, Sheikh Mohammed's Godolphin operation, uh, Magner, Coolmore Stud. They went toe-to-toe uh, with uh, American stables like Mandy Pope's Whisper Hill Farm, the Edwards family's Five Racing, and uh, Robert and Luana Lowe, and it was just unbelievable. They reported 124 horses sold during the, sex- the session for $65 million, an average price of 500 Unbelievable. Very low uh, reserve rate. And uh, so they can't really compare it to last year because the book one's book were different as far as size, but uh, that doesn't change anything. Uh, There were eight yearlings sold for a million or more uh, Wednesday and 28 that fetched final bids of 700,000 or more. A total of 20 yearlings sold for seven figures in book one, including seven that brought final bids, listen to this, of $2 million or more. And of course, the big one, everybody's whispering about, $8.2 million for the half-sister of Beholder by American Pharaoh. What an amazing family uh, th- this is. And uh, it, it, Coolmore and Godolphin were fighting with, uh, with Mandy Pope. But uh, Mandy Pope of Worcester Hill Farm went away $8.2 million. It's a filly by American Pharaoh who is a half-sister to Beholder. And uh, that uh, puts her in an awful good uh, family line. Uh, she's the 13th foal of the 23-year-old mare, Leslie's Lady, seen that name anywhere? Yeah. How about Into Mischief? Unbelievable. And there was also, remember the the European invader Mendelssohn? This horse is also uh, a a half. And uh, so I I hope the filly can run. They say she's awful good looking. We know she's got a great pedigree. But $8.2 million at Keeneland. And then... uh, Godolphin, they were stayed in the game. They got a son of Curlin for only uh, $4.1 million. And this was an all-out war, they say, uh, between uh, Godolphin uh, bidding against some of the other uh, big farms that were there going back and forth. And nobody was taking their hand down. And uh, so Stone Street sold it. Uh, Half-sister to uh, Group 1 winner Anthony Van Dyke. So Curlin out of a champion sprinter from New Zealand. I can't go through the other ones because we've just got too many. And I just found out I only got three 
minutes to run down the races we looked at last week. And uh, that was with Kate and Brader. She was there looking great with Bob Newmeyer on camera doing the paddock handicapping at Kentucky Downs. Win and you're in the Run Happy Turf Sprint. On the outside, totally boss, coming out of the Kentucky Downs preview sprint. Won that race in track record time. Florent Giroux was in the saddle. Totally boss. Got the job done over Smart Remark and Leanster. Then we went to the Three Chimneys Ladies Turf, grade three. Half a million on the line. The winner in here from the outside, Miss Bad Behavior, who has been exhibiting bad behavior. In the race before this one, she bore out and was pulled up by Mike Smith at Santa Anita. And then on Saturday, she bore out again with Jose Ortiz. But he just let her go. You know, the you're not near the grandstand, breaking from a mile there in the grassy Kentucky Downs. He let her go outside a little bit, got her straightened away, and went wire to wire at 7-1 to one, uh, by being uh, challenged for a while by Mitchell Road, uh, Billy Mott trainee, and in the third spot was Simply Breathless, who a lot of people liked coming in from Europe. It's at three stars at the United States, two first and a second, all in stakes company. All right, this is Spendthrift Farm Ladies Sprint, half a million dollars on the line right there. And the winner was Lucky Seven Morticia, sent away at five to one with Tyler Gaff Leone. Uh, Rusty Arnold had two wins on the card, and Morticia got the job done in the Spencer Farm Ladies Sprint. In the second spot uh, was a little bit of me at 20 to 1, outlasting the favorite Alexandra, the Australian bred. And we uh, finished out our handicapping card last week with the Calumet Farm. Kentucky Turf Cup. It was a day where you wanted to be near the lead. There's no doubt about it. And getting the job done was Zulu Alpha, who was the slight second choice, paid $6.20. Jose Ortiz had four wins on this rich stakes-laden card. In the second spot was the slight favorite, Arclo, the horse I liked and picked last week. And in the third spot was the 11 campaign. So that was the look at the races we handicapped last week from Kentucky Downs. And we've got another really good week of racing. And uh, Churchill Downs kicking off its rich race, as I mentioned uh, earlier in the card. And we're bringing in none other than Joe Christofek to help us try to sort out some winners and give us an overview of that rich 11-day meet. I'm John Engelhart. You're listening to Winning Ponies. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Pick, bet, and 
cheer on live racing from Woodbine and Mohawk Park. Thoroughbred and harness action. The wagers are just the beginning. Watch award-winning broadcasts covering both breeds. Incredible battles contested over the most unique grass course in North America. Experience the full fields with over 130 thoroughbred and 160 live harness days. Get access to free handicapping material and join the ranks of Woodbine and Mohawk Park players from all over the globe. For more information, visit woodbine.com. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and I was lucky enough to grab Joe Christofek before the meet started down there at Churchill. I know he's been down there show prepping today. Uh, got, got to say hi-de-ho to him uh, at, at Kentucky Downs. It was a, a, a busy, I wouldn't call it a press box. It's more like a press porch up there. Uh, but we had a lot of a lot of good people up there, a, a lot of fun. Joe, I was looking at the, uh, we got to totally redo your bio on Winning Ponies because <laughs> This stuff is so it, it's great though because it shows the stepping stones that you took to get to where you are today. It's kind of neat having your old bio up there, but we got to re, re, remake it. But you know, I mean, all the stepping stones you took: morning line maker for Arlington and Kentucky Downs, uh, handicapper and racing writer for the. Daily Herald up in Chicago, uh, you know, self-proclaimed racing ambassador, uh, member of the uh, NTWAMB, and now it seems like every time I turn the, the TV on for you know some of the major meets, hey, there's Joe. You've been a busy man, my friend. Well, you know what, John? I think you know yourself included. A lot of people that work in this game over the course of time. I mean, our resumes are probably legitimately seven or eight pages long with everything we've done, all the places we've worked, all the different departments we've been in. Um, you know, I was a freelancer for my entire career up until, up until Churchill stepped up to the plate, hired me full time. Uh, this time last year, it's been a little over a year now. And, you know, life has kind of settled into a nice routine as far as Churchill Downs when we race. Uh, fairgrounds. I go to New Orleans for the winter. There's worse places you could be. Yeah. And then I fill in doing some writing for Twin Spires in between and actually have some legitimate vacation time. So got a nice little gig going now. It took me a long time to get here and a lot of, a lot of steps, like you said, but, um, it's horse racing and, you know, most of us only do it because we love it. Well, you know, and, and quite frankly, I'm jealous of you the way you get to chase the weather there during the winter, and there are worse places to be than New Orleans in, yeah. in the winter. But, Joe, real quick, I know it's going to be tough to – give me your, your favorite and your least favorite parts of your job. Wow. I mean, favorites, there's just so many of them. Um, my favorite part of my job, and I wish I got to do more of it, is the fan development aspect of it, like really – taking people that have an interest at any level and helping them learn more about the sport, 
you know, as a, a horse owner now through Brilliant Racing, we have six horses uh, of our own, um, two-year-olds and some horses that are in training. And not only the handicapping and betting aspect of it, but the love of the horse aspect and really understanding what goes on behind the scenes and just being able to educate people on every level. Because as you know, there's so many aspects of this game and once you become interested in and learn more, it's just absolutely fascinating. So that's my favorite part of the game is just helping develop the fan base. My least favorite part of the game is short deadlines, man. I got to get my program work done two days in advance, handicap the races in advance, not know what the track bias potentially is going to be, what the track condition is going to be like, what the scratches are going to be like. Hurts the bottom line on the ROI a little bit, but uh, <laughs> uh, there's a lot worse things in people's jobs than that. But if I had to complain about something, it would be the short deadlines. Well, uh, I'll tell you what, you know, you're in, uh, you're in two of my favorite places, of course, uh, uh, Churchill being as, as legendary as it is and, uh, uh, fairgrounds with all the history and the fact that you get to hang out in new Orleans during the winter, which is, uh, which is not too bad. So, um, well in this segment, uh, at the, at the head of the show, I, I, I kind of pumped up your, your, your schedule there for you. I mean, you got 11 days and it's like, uh, it's it's whirlwind i mean the the most money that they've put out uh you know in in years and uh the you know the average purse of of the races is going to be seventy six thousand dollars seven hundred fifty thousand dollars per day so we're going to see a lot of class and i'm going to hope that we're going to be packing those gates for horses that want to run for those purses yeah i mean there's a lot of trainers that want to get into Churchill, you know, you've got the training center, you've got Keeneland horses are still at Ellis training, um, full fields, high quality racing, and, you know, just great wagering opportunities coming off the, the Kentucky Downs meet. And then after we race in September, jumping into Keeneland, October, which is you know, absolutely love. And then going into uh, Churchill in November with five-day racing weeks. And obviously the two-year-old starting get to get to the point now where you're seeing him stretch out around two turns. We got two, you know, winning your in Breeders' Cup races on Saturday at Churchill, which are also the first point races on the road to the Kentucky Derby and the Kentucky Oak. So, you know, the, the horse racing schedule in general is great because there's always something fantastic going on. You know, you got the road to the Derby starting up with the road to the Oaks, and we're just getting closer to Breeders' Cup now, too. So 11 days jam-packed, great racing, day in and day out, good uh, schedule of graded stakes as well. And uh, like I said, for the betters, it's going to be fantastic. Well, I know you've had to do your homework so far for Saturday's card. And uh, so let's j- uh, jump into the Pocahontas. I mean, a lot of good fillies have uh, you know, won these this race over the years, of course, I, I go back to like weekend surprise and horses like that. But uh, in recent days, we'll have familiar horses to our audience that are like untappable uh, won this race. So you just don't know what kind of quality is going to be crossing the finish line on Saturday. A mile and a 16th, grade two, winning your in, the Pocahontas. Uh, a lot of different angles in here. It will be interesting. I, I'm kind of uh, leaning a little bit towards this morning gold. I, I noticed that Jose Ortiz liked the horse enough at Saratoga on the grass that he's going to come into Churchill. 
Yeah, I'm hearing we're going to get a lot of Jose Ortiz in September off of his banner meet at, at Kentucky Downs, uh, riding a lot of high-quality horses on both opening day Friday and Saturday at Churchill. I, I kind of saw this one as a toss-up between Morning Gold, who you mentioned, and we'll talk about her in a second. I'm going to, I'm going to go to Portrait on top. If you watch the replay of the seven furlong race at Alice, I mean, she just absolutely demolished that field. Brad Cox has had pretty good luck with Tapazar as a, as a stallion, of course, uh, the sire of Monomoy Girl. Um, bad news on the Monomoy Girl front, but maybe Portrait will uh, pick up the, the baton from her here because it looks like she's got a ton of talent. Third on debut around two turns on turf, and like I said, absolutely galloped in that race at Alice. But Morning Gold won around two turns already, and that was at Saratoga, which isn't easy to do. And, John, not only did she do it, she did it as a 6-5 to five favorite in a field of uh, 10, and she won by more than five lengths going away. Kind of a weird stride, I thought. She kind of travels a little bit like Vacoma, uh, who you remember from the Bluegrass Stakes and running in the Kentucky Derby, kind of like that crawling kind of crab-like stride. But <laughs> she, gets it, she gets it done, man, and she's getting first-time Lasix, and it looks like Kenny McPeak is ready to unleash some talented two-year-olds. So I think it's a coin flip between those two. Uh, both of them look like they have an amazing uh, amount of talent. Again, we're talking with Joe Christofek. He'll be uh, the man on the microphone at Churchill Downs. If you're not there in person, if you're watching from an OTB parlor or another track, whatever, uh, Joe will be the guy down there perhaps updating some of his selections. But then we go to a horse uh, race that's, uh, that's kind of similar to it. It's the, the boys' version. It's a mile and a 16th. This one, a grade three, uh, 200,000. And one of my favorite horses of all time, who was a breed-changing racehorse from Ohio by the name of Harlan's Holiday, uh, won this race. But you've had some nice ones in, in recent uh, years, like Astrology and Uncaptured come out of this race. I guess the, the, the story horse or the potential free course is this Dennis's moment man I'll tell you what I so on debut on July 23rd he was actually the second choice of five to two and Ed DeRosa was in the paddock and he's been doing paddock interviews pre-race we're going to continue that here in September I think it adds a lot to the, the simulcast show and uh, some good information coming out of those interviews interview Dale Romans and Dale's not afraid as you know John to uh Tout his horses, so you know <laughs> they're not all the next greatest horse. But he talked about Dennis's moment like he was the next greatest horse, best two-year-old he's ever trained. He said, and you got to remember, he trained not this time a couple of years ago. He was an absolute monster, second in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile, and uh, unfortunately his career was cut short. But that day he got caught in a tight spot and he dropped Robbie Alvarado, clipped heels. Robbie wound up breaking his wrist. So we knew nothing about him that day. And then he comes back at Ellis in late July. Dale's not afraid to run a good horse at Ellis. And he wins by 19 lengths in a public workout. How often do you see horses win seven furlong races by 19 lengths and do it as easily as he did? And he's by Tisnow out of an elusive quality mare. He's supposed to go long. I don't get excited too often about watching young prospects uh, to this level. I'm really excited to see this horse run on Saturday. I think he's got a chance to be, like you said at the Open, an absolute potential freak. And I hope I'm right because I like to watch races. I like to bet on races. I'm also a fan of races. I won't be betting Dennis's moment at 2-5, to five, but I certainly am rooting for him to win. 
Yeah, like I said, he's just a great story. Loses the jacket his first race, comes in, wins by almost 20 lengths. But he wins 20 lengths, obviously, you know, wasn't asked too much at the at the wire. And, and still, as a two-year-old, runs a 97 buyer in his first full race. You got to respect that. Yeah. Yeah, what's he going to do? I mean, we we both know, John, it's tough sometimes to get excited. Like that seven or four long distances at Ellis Park is much different than a mile and a 16th. At Churchill, you got to be, you know, physically up to that challenge, but more so even mentally up to that challenge. And, you know, Dale Romans talks about how smart this horse is and how he's so laid back and he takes everything in stride. That's a big deal, man. If you've got a horse with a good head, a lot of talent, and a big heart, those are the ones that have a chance to be, become something special. All right, again, we're talking with Joe Christofek. He's going to be very busy over the weekend. Uh, he's back down at Churchill Downs, back to work for him. No more shorts in the uh, press box at Kentucky Downs <laughs> for this guy. <laughs> but anyhow, the grade three Locust Grove, uh, another mile in the 16th race. Joe, there's a horse in here that I got have seen uh, in, in person. I absolutely love her. She knows where the finish line is, and that's My Lady Curlin by... One of the hottest studs out there right now, and of course we all know him as Curlin. Yeah, she's as good as anybody in the race. I mean, obviously she's won five races in a row, and we talk about the heart. Three of those wins have come by a neck, a nose, and a nose. Uh, she won that race up by you guys at, at Thistle, and she looked okay doing it. She was four wide on the first term. She was in the perfect catbird seat, three wide. She was nudged a little bit on the term. Uh, she got the lead, and then the horse that actually backed out of it came again and almost beat her, uh, Gotham uh, Gala, I think her name is. So yeah. it was a, a good performance. I didn't think she galloped out that well. I, I wasn't overwhelmed by it. Um, steady as they come, go Google yourself. You know, she's been running against some of the best uh, females in training. Uh, obviously, a late at the top of that list, Blue Prize, in the floor to lead where she was a little bit overmatched. There's nobody of that quality in this race. She won the groupie doll at Ellis. She looked good doing it. She's run big races on this track, and she's going to get the right trip. I'd say go, go Google yourself for me. And then as a possible upsetter, I'd throw Cosmic Burst in there. More lightly raced than a lot of these. She's only run four times this year. She was third to Midnight Bisu last time in the Molly Pitcher. And, John, she was up there pushing the pace. That's not how she wants to run. She wants a target to run at. So if we can get 10... You know, 8, 10 to 1 on her, I think she's worth including uh, in the gimmicks. But uh, go Google yourself is the right answer for me. <laughs> well, Joe Christovic, I want to thank you so much. I, I know you're uh, up to your button crocodiles getting ready for the opening of meet, but I'm sure you do a stellar job. And once again, it, it, it's a joy to know you uh, for over a decade and, and to watch all those steps that you have taken uh, that have gotten you to a place that you deserve and that I know you're really comfortable in. Yeah, man, you and I go back a long way, and I love and appreciate your passion for the sport. And keep doing what you're doing. It's always great when we run into each other in person, and I always love when uh, I have the opportunity to do the show with you, and I'll just leave you with uh, two final words, buddy. Ta-da. <laughs> Ta-da! All right, Joe Christofek down there in Louisville now. He's a man on the move. Uh, but when we come back, we're going to talk to a guy north of the border that I've really been looking forward uh, to talking to, and that's Ernie Perry. He's up at Woodbine, and they are just going to have an exceptional uh, two-day program up there. So with that said, I'm going to shut up. We're going to take a break. 
And we'll be back on Winning Ponies. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form, the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry, let winningponies.com make some money for you. Pick, bet, and cheer on live racing from Woodbine and Mohawk Park. Thoroughbred and harness action. The wagers are just the beginning. Watch award-winning broadcasts covering both breeds. Incredible battles contested over the most unique grass course in North America. Experience the full field with over 130 thoroughbred and 160 live harness days. Get access to free handicapping material and join the ranks of Woodbine and Mohawk Park players from all over the globe. For more information, visit woodbine.com. Follow the Voice America Variety Channel on Twitter. Our hosts always have something to say, and we know that you do too. We tweet on today's hot topics, and you're welcome to follow us. Speak up and join in at Voice AM Variety. That's at Voice AM Variety. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, VoiceAmerica.com. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Englehart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Englehart. All right, and with me, as I told you at the top of the show, I've really been looking forward to meeting Ernie Perry. Uh, from reading his brief bio, he sounds like a guy that's kind of has a real appreciation for the sport. He's worked his way up, literally, to the top of the grandstand, uh, where he's Woodbine's chief head clocker and the morning line odds maker. Every Friday now, he uh, publishes the Woodbine Clocker Report uh, with comments on some of the top workouts uh, that are watched, and he highlighted horses to key in for upcoming races. And if you want, you can check this out. Get your pens out, because I'll try to repeat this at the end of the show. Uh, But you go to your https slash slash woodbine.com slash news slash and you'll get ernie perry's insights ernie perry welcome to winning ponies how are you hey great john nice to be here first time uh you can also follow me on woodbine clocker on twitter i try to tweet out some you know if something sticks out I'll, i'll put it on twitter and uh a little close to the race but uh you know if anything sticks out that's worth pretty good i'll put it out there on twitter as well well i i notice a slight dialect are you canadian born and bred oh of course 100 <laughs> percent. you can you can tell the dialect eh? yep 100 percent. and i was gonna just gonna say it's a nice 18 degrees up here that's celsius but 65 for my american friends uh, we don't rub our nose in it because it was 95 <laughs> where i am today okay oh. <laughs> yeah. so so uh, uh, Ernie Perry, 
tell us, uh, you know, how you got into the game and how you worked your way up to the clockers stand. I have a very special place in my heart for clockers. Yeah, very funny story. Uh, uh, my uh, about forty nine years ago, my parents were at the racetrack, and uh, my mom went into labor uh, at the racetrack, and uh-huh. uh, <laughs> straight to the hospital, and I was born. And my dad's been coming to the racetrack ever since. So he's the first one that introduced me to the ponies. Uh, he used to bring me when I was a kid, seven, eight, nine years old. Uh, my first bet, he told me to pick two numbers. I hit the double, paid 500 and I was hooked ever oh. since. Now, he didn't show me any of that money, but <laughs> at least I hit it, and uh, I was hooked ever since. Uh, yeah, you know, that's the way a lot of us started, you know. Uh, so, anyhow, tell me about your entrance. Did you work in the racing office? Did you work on the backstretch? Did you walk hots? Did you yeah, come in? Yeah, so that's exactly how I started. I did walk, start walking hots. Uh, and, you know, back back in the day, you know, the money's not always the best, right? But the passion's there. So I walked for a bit, and then I had to leave. I took a job in the corporate world. I, had, uh, I was a stockbroker, licensed stockbroker. And it just uh, became a bit of a bore and got boring to me. And then I saw an ad for a clocker, and I got back and I, I just applied. And uh, Steve Lim was the manager at the time, and he's now in Santa Anita. And he was great, and he interviewed me, and he knew I was a gambler. And he says, listen, the best clockers are gamblers, and he gave me a shot. And from there, he brought me up, and uh, I worked in the race office, which I still do. Uh, clock, morning line, I do a little TV, so... Yeah, it's it's a passion, and it's it's I'm getting paid for it, and it's a lot of fun. You know, uh, <clears throat> I, I, I part of my passion and what I did as part of my job was uh, I'm, I'm a photographer, and I I would uh, <clears throat> sleep in the press box. We had a nice little cot or futon up there, and you know, as soon as I'd think daybreak was coming, get up and uh, go down and you know, shoot the horses. And then I would just go up and sit next uh, to a guy by the name of Richard Bailey. <clears throat> he was a, uh, a black gentleman that broke the color line at the track kitchen at River Downs. He said, if I'm good enough to clock your horses, I'm good enough to eat your eggs. And uh, he, I, I would watch him and the stuff they would do to him, Ernie. Again, now we're going yeah. back in, in into like 80s and stuff is, you know, guys that like stand in his way. Uh, they wow. wrap horses so uh, they, they couldn't see whether or not the horse had, you know, socks on his feet or not. Uh, they they yeah. put an unusual saddle towel on the horse. Uh, they instead of they tell me, yeah, I'm going to work this horse for furlongs, and of course the horse worked all the way around the turn, you know. Wow. And it was yeah. just amazing. Now those were back in the deceptive heyday, but uh, coming up now. I don't know if you clocked like from indoor the press box or whatever. Back in those days, it was an outdoor grandstand. Did you ever have that situation where you had guys trying to pull a fast one on you? Well, we, we, you know, we had one small situation in in the 15 years I've been there. But uh, no, for the most part, you know, I have a book with markings. I, I produce a book every year, every month actually, has all the horses on the grounds with all the markings. So we have a good system where they call it in at the gap. Horses come back to the wire. We check their markings on every horse that works, and uh, we go from there. So we can tell all the horses working. So uh, it's it's pretty hard to get away with anything. A lot of eyes on the track uh, these days. Yeah, I know. Well, again, you know, I'm kind of 
giving out my age and uh, some of the yeah. stuff that would uh, you know happen back then. Some of the characters. I mean, uh, uh, Richard telling me a few turn in the quarter in the racing office and ran into a guy by the name of Rad Eye Eddie. I guess he had one dead eye. He's like, I would not make a bet the entire day. <laughs> Once Red Eye Eddie looked at you, you were you were dead for the day. And it just well, characters like that, uh, you know, that would be around the clocker stand. It was also just a great place to have coffee, you know, and the trainers would come up and they'd talk and, and, and a lot of them would say, hey, by the way, I really like this two-year-old. I'm going to be breaking from the gate for the first time. And it was neat to watch things like that develop and the stories uh, that emanate from a clocker, I, I think are fantastic. And I'm sure you've uh, shared quite a few over uh, your tenure uh, hitting that stopwatch, which is not easy. No, we've seen a lot of nice horses come through. And yeah, you know, like you said, there's a lot, bunch of characters. When I first started, you know, I was getting the hand signals, uh, horses going in 47 and trainers running down the track, waving their hands to, you know, maybe uh, go a little, give it a little tick or two there. But no, we, we, we're, we're very honest and uh, we try to keep it that way and uh, it's a, keep it fair for the public. Well, R- Richard was honest, but uh, the best time to be near him was when he went to the window in a two-year-old race. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you and he would get his body up there, uh, you know, because it was uh, the, the automatic tellers started coming in. He would just get his shoulders and stuff in there and hit those horses, so you couldn't see who he was betting because uh, yeah. I, I, I know he paid for dinner more than once. But I, I really I have ultimate respect for you guys. Now, here's what I'm trying to figure out, and then. I've watched it. It's still a mystery to me. What do you do when you've got like five horses going at once, different distances? Yeah. So, you know, we, uh, I work on the main track. We also have a training track and we have three clockers on the main and two on the uh, training track with a couple of sheet riders. You know, we have two watches each. So right there's six watches. Uh, that's six horses. We can get at least another horse per watch. So that's 12 horses. So, and then some of the, the, the older guys can get three on a watch, right? So it's a lot of writing and, uh, you know, if we get 15 at a time, we, we, we can muddle through it. But, uh, after the Herald break, obviously it gets very busy, but you know, we muddle through that. Uh, well, it, it is tough for our listeners to understand. They they need to go up into the grandstand and not bother, but just watch a clocker and what he has to do, compile that information. And then you don't have much time after that to get up and, and record it all and send it on to, I don't know if it's the form or Equibase or who you send it to these days, but uh, your day starts early. Yeah, so we're starting at 5 o'clock in the morning. And uh, we as soon as we get it in, the sheet writer calls it to us and, she, she types it in, so thank God we have a couple of nice sheet writers that are uh, very good. They know all the horses on the grounds again. and You know, it's computer. It, when I started, it was all by hand, and uh, that was quite tough. Uh, a- absolutely. It's, it, now, I'll ask you one more question before we get into some of these great races you're going to have on Saturday at Woodbine. We're talking with uh, Ernie Perry. Is Who's the one horse that maybe early in its career that you're watching that kind of gave you goosebumps thinking this is going to be a good one. Well, we, uh, and he's in the bold venture. Uh, Pink Lloyd is, is one. Um, oh my God. A, what a horse. Yeah. Yeah. What a horse. So when he started out, um, you know, and, and, and the first time I, I believe he paid $10 with, and we just couldn't believe it. We, we actually didn't bet it because we just thought that there's no way he pays that much. So we didn't even bother. <laughs> and, uh, first time out he paid $10 and, uh, you know, we we missed on that one, but he was a, a he's a great workhorse. 
Well, I'm looking at his PPs right now. Again, he's going to be in the bold venture. Uh, we were going to get to that race last, but I'll just go ahead and jump to it right now since we, you mentioned his name. Uh, Pink Lloyd, he, he's a legend in Canada. He's a seven-year-old gelding, 26 starts, 21 wins, a second and a third for $1.2 million, has spit out numerous 100-plus buyer figures. And uh, from everything I can see just in the past performances in the form, he has been the heavy odds-on favorite in all of his last 12 races. And I'm guessing, Ernie, it goes deeper than that. Yeah, and, you know, this is one that we would love to see uh, try on some of the best of the uh, Americans. We'd love to see him go on dirt. He works on dirt, so we know he can run on dirt. We'd love to see him take on some Saratoga Stakes or, you know, Breeders' Cup for that matter. But you know, he, he's doing very well up here, so it's tough to, to move him, and he is seven now, but, uh, you know, we're homers, and we'd love to see him take on the best. Well, okay, real quick in that race, uh, is Curlin's honor much of a threat to him, or do you just put a ring around Pink Lloyd? Yeah, you know, this is an open race, and Curlin's uh, honor is the main threat, and if you look at uh, Pink Lloyd's uh, PPs, his last two starts at the end of last year is when he did get beat in the bold venture, and the overskating, and then they, you know, he went on the shelf. But, uh, you know, I don't know if it's going to be the same this year. He's thriving right now. But if you're looking uh, at his past performances, that's where he, his, his decline started in that bold venture. All right. Well, either way, he's 5-for-5 five five this year and has made himself a Canadian legend. Uh, the uh, the uh, Rico Woodbine Mile is a race that uh, – in its, in its own right, uh, has become legendary. Um, uh, it started back in 1997 when Jerry won it. And, uh, you know, since then, a horse that, whose name I cannot pronounce, but I love was uh, Leroy de Samuel. And yeah. uh, let's, let's not forget the, the North American champion, Wise Dan, won this race back-to-back. Uh, the great champion Teppen came out of this race. So, uh, you know, the uh, Rico would by mile brings together great horses, obviously just from the name dropping. I just did. Who do we need to be aware of this year? Is it raging bull and, uh, Joel Rosario? Uh, is it got stormy who is just, you know, uh, just really blossomed this year, especially in his last two starts. Uh, Ernie Perry guide me. Yeah. I'm, you know, got stormy had a breeze over the, uh, main track here the other day and uh, she just looked fantastic just a long stride just galloping out very very well she's going to be pretty tough to beat uh she did beat raging bull in the in the four star dave uh handily setting a track record so you know you you hate to uh suck it up and, and give a favorite but man she's going to be pretty hard to beat yeah i mean you know uh, and 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 how about mark cassie i mean is this guy the king of Canada or what? Every time I handicap or look at results from uh, races, particularly from Woodbine, Cassie's name is there most of the time in the big races. Yeah, he's been a leading trainer here. And, you know, we're proud of that. He gets a lot of horses starting out here, and then he ships them around. And uh, he's done very well here, and we're happy to have him. And uh, he, he's, got, he's got quite the operation, quite a big, big stable here. All right. Well, listen, I'm going to try to get as many races in. We're talking with Ernie Perry, uh, odds maker and uh, clocker from Woodbine. A big weekend up there. Uh, let's move on to uh, 
a horse that I got to spend some time with personally one afternoon doing a photo shoot, the Northern Dancer Turf, the Canadian horse that wowed uh, the American public uh, when he became a Kentucky Derby winner and passed on the uh, Triple Crown route. But uh, uh, this race, surprisingly, unless I lost a page of my PPs, there's only six going to post. Yeah, unfortunately, that's it's it's a small field, but uh, you know, between the top three is pretty good quality there. Uh, Old Persian had a little uh, breeze and gallop around the track today, and that one looks fine. And that one won a six million dollar race in Dubai, the Dubai Shima Classic, so it'll be tough. Uh, Focus Group is a nice horse, and from the locals, Tiza Slams won three in a row, and he's thriving right now as well. Well, it's interesting that. Uh Charles Appleby uh, elected to bring Old Persian over, uh, a four-year-old colt uh, who's won $4 million and certainly is not afraid to get on a plane uh, and go anywhere. But from what I can see, this is his first start ever in North America. I mean, he's been everywhere. I'm sure he made most of his money. He really liked that track at uh, Maidan and uh, at UAE. I uh, said two wins over there, and you know how big the purses are over there. And uh, Joe Doyle's coming in to ride. Uh, he just had a really good meet uh, over at Ascot. Um, you know, that says an awful lot about your race that, you know, horses hopping on the plane and coming all the way over uh, to, to compete for the 300000 in this grade one. Yeah, we do get a lot of Europeans, and they come here uh, for this particular race, but mostly for the Canadian International coming up in October. And Charles Appleby's been coming here quite some time, and uh, Julie Bell, our, our, our stakes coordinator, has done a fantastic job uh, with the Europeans. We treat them well. They love being here. And our course is a nice mile-and-a-half uh, turf course, and they absolutely love that, the long stretch. So, yeah, they use this as a stepping stone and one of the first tracks they come to. Um, it, it, tell me about, I'm a big fan of horses for course, and I'm also a big fan of horses who excel at a certain distance. And that points me to, uh, tis a slam. You've obviously uh, seen this horse uh, run a lot more than I have. I saw him running the Elkhorn uh, at, at Keeneland on what was not a very nice course that day. It was yielding because they wanted to get the graded stakes in that day. Uh, but, uh, man. Uh, other than that, all I see is graded stakes competition. Uh, he led Turner for home in this race last year and uh, backed up. He was only beaten by uh, two lengths by Johnny Bear. Um, tell us a bit about this horse because uh, obviously, Ernie, you've seen him race a lot. Yeah, he's uh, five for nine here at Woodbine and four for eight at the distance. He's just thriving right now. Just goes to the lead. Uh, nobody can really stay with him. And uh, he goes along nicely and he's just been opening up now. This, I believe, will be his toughest test to date uh, with old Persian there in focus group. Um, he's been running, like I said, his last two were here. and That Louisville race was quite nice, and he beat Nessie there. So, you know, he's just thriving right now. He's been working very, very well. Uh, well, again, a horse that didn't win, but I always like horses that can travel to a different track and take to the surface. Uh, focus group is the, uh, the three of the top horses we're talking about. Um, came in for the Canadian International, and what a late run he put in. Uh, was uh, only beaten five and a half lengths. Uh, so, you know, finished third, collected a decent paycheck. Joel Rosario taking off his uh, uh, New York things, but, man, 
this trainer Chad Brown is so on fire. It's uh, it's just you know it, it's hard to ignore any horse he has in a race. And again, old Persian has the travel factor. But from what I look at his PPs, this horse can run and win anywhere. But I have to say, just talking about the Northern Dancer, though, it's a short field. It's a quality field, and focus group has to be part of the conversation. Yeah, he does. Uh, the only thing is, he, you can see that he obviously likes to come from way behind, and I don't know how much pace will be in the race. Cooler Mike might uh, be on the lead with Tizza Slam, so in a smaller field, you know, it's going to be a jocks race, and we're happy to have uh, the Americans. And look at the riders we have in here this weekend: uh, Luis Saez and Rosario and Castellano, Velasquez and Ortiz. We're we're proud of that, and uh, these are big races, and. To get that type of uh, quality jockey up here, uh, we're very excited. All right. We're going to be able to get all the races in from Woodbine for Saturday. Uh, Ernie Perry's with us. Uh, let's talk about the Canadian stakes presented by the Japan Racing Association, uh, a mile and an eighth. And uh, not the biggest field, a competitive one. Joel Rosario on the eight to five shot. I'm guessing you made him eight to five uh, off his recent quality starts. Yeah. So. That was a grade one, the uh, Beverly Deal. Sister, Sister Charlie, uh, obviously, is a special horse. Um, the one that finished second is actually in the mile. So, yeah, eight to five, maybe a little lower. Um, Holy Helena's always run well here. I quite like Starship Jubilee in this race. Yes. Uh, again, being a homer, yeah. So that 47 and two breeze on the main with the dogs well out, uh, almost in the center of the track, and just galloped out fantastic. And that race at the Boston Spa, the Great Two of Saratoga was quite nice. So I think you might get a bit of a price, and that's what I like here. All right. Well, I, li- I like him because uh, a friend of mine stands him at stud right now. His sire, Indy Wind, a, uh, a son of AP Indy, he uh, stands in Ohio right now, and uh, this is like his uh, banner horse that they're getting yeah. to advertise off of. So I, I, I hope the people that own that farm, uh, it's Poplar Creek Farm in Batavia, Ohio, uh, do well. I'm a big fan of Starship Jubilee. I know they held him back from one race to run in the Boston Spa. I think he was supposed to run at Woodbine, and they, they scratched from that race for the Boston Spa, where he put in a bang-up race, was only beaten a half length, and uh, you know to also lose a race at Woodbine to Holy Helena is no disgrace at all. So, uh, yeah, er- er- Ernie, listen, I can't thank you enough for coming on with us. And now that I got your phone number, you're in trouble because when we got the big <laughs> races at Woodbine, I know the guy to call because you've got plenty of insight, experience, and we appreciate you passing along to our, our, our listeners. Yeah, you can call me anytime. Uh, like I said, I have, you know, I do the clock report as well, so you can follow me on Twitter. I got a couple coming out this uh, weekend in a two-year-old race uh, that I'm quite excited about. Not the biggest prices on the, on the board, but, uh, you know, they're, they're in good form right now. So follow me on Twitter and stay tuned to my show. All right, uh, Ernie, it looks like my producer's telling me I got a minute left. So anyhow... I, I said we're, we we did Saturday's races, but it is a big weekend, and you got these great two-year-old races, which you like to know a clocker's opinion. How about the Natalma and the Summer Stakes? Are those the races you alluded to, where you got a couple you like? Yeah, so keep an eye on a horse called Coach Lori in the Natalma. Uh, absolutely love this horse um, from first time out. Nice little gray filly, two-year-old. She worked in fifty-eight and two, beating uh, West Paw which went in a minute and two, might offer some value, you know, with the Americans coming in and some uh, big-time jocks coming in. And 
uh, might offer some value. All right, Ernie, he's telling me I got to get out, so I got to say goodbye, but it won't be the last time, my friend. Thank you. Yeah, anytime, please. Thank you, and thanks for having me on. All right, Ernie Perrin from Woodbine, Joe Crucifix from Churchill Downs, John Engelhart with Winning Ponies. Don't forget the easy win forms. We're killing it. You can go online and see our results. We had some huge hits after uh, last week and uh, a lot of big racing. And so you can make some big butts, reach in those jeans and pull out some greens. I'm John Engelhart. You've been listening to Winning Ponies. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network.